Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hi everyone, Om Shanti and welcome to Your Next Normal in collaboration with America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and each time we get a chance to sit and be together, I don't know what it is, something in me changes little by little. I can feel it. And many of my guests that I have the privilege to seeping into their journeys and into their lives, I always take away something from them. Yes, it's true. Sometimes I remember most of them, and sometimes maybe others just sit so deeply in my heart. I can't remember all the incredible people I've interviewed, but I know they've left something in me, and I hope they've done the same for you. Since this pandemic, we have been meeting so regularly, and we've done a lot. I've loved all of your sharings and your comments and your emails about just how much you've grown and how much you've changed. And I want to just tell you and all of us here, thank you for being so committed and loyal to our cause and to our work. The meditation museums, well, you know, one we closed down in Tyson's Corner. But the Meditation Museum in Silver Spring is still operating. And on Saturday mornings, you're able to go there and get your fill. And I want you to do that. Over these next few years, nobody knows what's going to happen. But it seems as if we need to develop a lot of bravery. But we're going to need to be very consciously brave. Not bravery out of fear, but bravery out of realization, knowledge, wisdom. So that we show up in a way that power gets revealed. My special guest, Pamela Brinker. In her powerful new book, Conscious Bravery, Caring for Someone with Addiction, Pamela Brinker combines her professional knowledge with her personal experiences to create a caring and helpful guide for those who are dealing with loved ones struggling with addiction and mental health. Pamela joins us today to discuss not only how to navigate the emotional roller coaster of addiction, but how to survive and thrive with positivity. As a licensed clinical psychotherapist, She has been working with clients to help move them through pain and into bravery for many years. She's been doing this. She's a passionate speaker, educator, and advocate. But above all, she's a mother who has struggled with the emotions and challenges of raising two sons wrestling with addiction. Welcome, Pamela. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you for that behind-the-scenes chit-chat before we went live. Thank you for that. I'm so delighted to be here with you and your listeners. Thank you. Pamela, before we talk about your new book, Conscious Bravery, what is consciousness is such a big question. I can't tell you how many times somebody has asked me about consciousness, and I still fumble in how to answer that question. So what is consciousness to you? To me, it is being vibrantly awake and alive in all moments, as many moments as we can, even the dark, the most troubling moments. And so to me, it's an embodiment of presence. And we often 
become pretty esoteric about it. And we think we only attain consciousness during maybe deep meditation or a yogic altered state. But to me, we can be conscious in everything. We can be conscious as parents in our leadership, in our work. And so I believe in practicing that vibrant, alive awakeness through everything, returning to it. So in your book, Conscious Bravery, wow. Because a lot of times when we're brave, I'm trying to think, Pamela, if I've been conscious that I was being brave, or was it that I was just so scared out of my pants? But the only direction that I could go is that I have to see this through. Like sometimes the more intense my fear has been, the greatest courage I've been able to see. What is conscious bravery to you? Yes, and I love that you're sharing that because conscious bravery kicks in for all of us when we're committed to it on some level. And you talked earlier about realization and taking action. To me, conscious bravery is both. So we're born with the seeds of bravery, just like we're all born with the seeds of love or compassion or kindness, but they have to be cultivated. We need training, right? We need our parents to sort of teach us how to become truly loving and kind in different kinds of situations. And similarly, bravery can look a hundred different ways on a hundred different days. I like to say that bravery can sound like stillness and it can look like softness. It isn't always tough as nails, but it's all three of those kinds of things and everything in between. And so you, Sister Jenna, and some of your listeners may have been able to move through fear with those adrenals and leap into action as needed because perhaps you were committed to it and you had some skill in being consciously brave already, being aware when you needed courage. You know, again, it isn't always jumping in. You know, we think that we maybe have to wrestle our fear down or take immediate action, but I've found in my own personal life as a mom and as a therapist, oftentimes I need to pause and breathe consciously, breathe with awareness, and look at my options. So to me, conscious bravery, the short definition is to be able to know what's needed in any given moment, and then do that. I like that. Maybe that's what your book is really teaching us, right? Because the result of your professional work and personal experiences that you've had is perhaps the inspiration behind this book. You want to tell us some more? Absolutely. I was a clinician for, I don't know, 20 years and uh, love my work. I believe it's a sacred calling. I walk alongside my clients in partnership in their healing and greater awakening and in taking action. My kid's stepdad developed a grade four glioblastoma brain cancer, and he died a year and three months after he was diagnosed. And that was about 12 years ago. And in my grief and devastation, I turned to books and friends, and and there really wasn't a body of knowledge about bravery for grief and for the troubles that my sons began to have. And what they started doing was not just turning to each other, Sister Jenna, but they started turning to alcohol and drugs Mm -hmm. as the answer to their pain. And that's what happens oftentimes. No one wants to become addicted to a substance or a behavior, right? We turn to those kinds of things because we don't know what else to do. And the pain is so overwhelming. And that's what was happening for my sons. And even though we were really close, unbeknownst to me, 
their substance use developed and increased. And within months, they were really dependent upon substances. And so I had to modify everything I'd ever taught my clients (laughs) and use it for myself. And I had to cultivate new kinds of capacities to be in a moment where I felt shock and devastation. I would get hard news about my sons. For example, they got arrested at various times and they needed treatment immediately. And I was only able to override some of my previous tendencies to jump in and overmanage and learn to bring in tenderness and wisdom because I started cultivating these tools and practices that I'd used with my clients for years in different ways. So over the course of some years, I decided I want to write the body of knowledge that I needed. (laughs) I want to produce something that actually helps people. You know, I believe I'm on a mission. I'm here to save lives. We're in a crisis, a drug and uh, mental health epidemic. And I want to help the people who walk alongside someone who struggles with substance use issues and mental health. And I believe that we really take care of ourselves and learn tools and practices. We can partner with our loved ones with compassion and assertive strength. Beautiful. You know, a lot of times we look at the individual who is on the addiction or maybe the person who's dealing with their, I call it mental opportunity. I hope the world can coin that more and more (laughs) because I really think it's an opportunity for everybody involved. But a lot of times the people don't think about the loved ones that are dealing with it. And when you're loving someone with addiction, there's so many uncertainties. It's unpredictable. Is it possible to become comfortable with discomfort through partnering with the inevitable change? We really truly have to become more comfortable with discomfort because otherwise we're reacting. We're not responding with conscious awareness. We're responding to instincts, which might not be in our beloved's best interest, or we're responding to old patterns. And so that's part of what I learned. I wanted to break the intergenerational patterns in my own family because there were mental health challenges and addictions in my own ancestry and on both sides from my sons. And I wanted to become more aware and break through those old patterns. I've got to to realize that life is full of change (laughs) and the unknown is going to be arriving every moment of every day. And so along with that, come wonderful things like joy and beautiful moments of authentic connection like you and I are having, and hopefully our listeners are having with us. But I also want to be able to not get knocked off my feet and fall when I'm faced with shock or devastation. So I do believe in befriending all my feelings, becoming comfortable with discomfort and even overwhelm, knowing that they are going to occur. So we all have to have tools and practices available to us at the ready so that we can move through that discomfort, embrace it certainly, but move through it more quickly so that we can do whatever's needed in any given moment. And yes, we absolutely can become better at becoming comfortable with overwhelm. Yeah. One of the things that I've used to help me navigate through those challenging moments has been, we're all here to play out our parts. There's got to be a reason why that soul got that part to play and I have my part to play. And even if I think it's not the way I think it should be, 
it is what it is. It is what it is. And I remembered when I've been taking care of my mother who has an, a very entertaining case of dementia. And at the beginning, the first few months, I remembered I became such an unkind person. And one morning I said, this is not me. This, what's going on? What is wrong with me? What is happening? And then I had realized that the brunt of my frustration was my desire in not wanting to do this. My interpretation that I had lost my best friend. And the moment I realized that that's the grunt of my suffering and pain, then I need to get over that. And it was through my acceptance that, you know what, I'm going to have to accept this is my journey. And perhaps in me taking care of her will be my path to real enlightenment and spiritual empowerment. And so that was huge. And I wonder if folks like us who are given the wonderful opportunity to deal with either a child with an addiction or a mental health experience, if it's really giving us something that's been a priceless gift, such as an enormous amount of love and acceptance, a tremendous amount of patience and awareness, and somehow you get over things easier. You just have to for your own survival. Beautifully said, and that's so true, because we are intricately connected in a beautiful, powerful web sentience. You know, yeah. so what's happening for your mother is also happening for you. And I found that to be true myself. And you're so honest, Sister Jenna. I made a lot of mistakes as a mom, being too aggressive, domineering, wanting answers instead yeah. of pausing and waiting for them to arrive. And so I do write about, and I believe that we have to quit fighting what is. And I use the phrase, now there's this. <laughs> so when I'm faced with something that my sons are incurring, some challenge or a shock, something that's hitting me, I'll become aware that, oh, this is shocking for me. Huh, <laughs> this is a part of my story where I want to come in and manage. Oh, that's what I want to do. That's tendency. But you know, I don't have to do that. I can pause and be with what is and say, hmm, now there's this. And with that acceptance of what arrives, I find that clarity comes more easily over time and I can have greater wisdom. Have you found that to be that. true yourself? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the inevitable. It's Often we live in panic, you know, gripping fear when we love somebody, as you just mentioned, who is in crisis. I mean, it's interesting to watch the highs and lows from mental health issues or relapses. We just long for someone to tell us what to do. How do we shift from living in terror of the futures? Especially for a child, you're so concerned as to what's going to happen to them if they continue down this path. For a mother with dementia, it's different. But if you've had a parent that maybe attempted suicide once or twice, the fear is, are they going to do it again? Mm -hmm. And so how do we handle all of that? Two things come to mind. One, we become more at ease with our own fear. I call mm -hmm. it viewing our fear as an advisor. One of many advisors. Love, again, as I mentioned earlier, is an advisor. And kindness is an advisor. And patience or taking immediate action. That can be some kind of advice that comes into our beings. But fear is something that 
we're not really taught how to handle as we grow up. I don't really believe that we have a, an appropriate respect for fear as a warning and just a simple advisor that says, hey, pay attention here, watch out. And once we acknowledge fear and we listen to its advice, then it can kind of calm down. And so view fear with respect. I just say it's one of many tools that come to me at the ready. And then once I listen to it and I say, wow, I'm really scared right now, or I'm even terrified. Mm -hmm. All right. Then I can calm my nervous system down and use breathing techniques or whatever ground, get barefoot in the moment for a minute, you know, and really feel the earth underneath my feet supporting me or connect to something greater, connect to God, the universe source, or both. You know, I teach that one of the ways I handle fear is I call it earth and sky. So in the immediate moment, I might notice I'm feeling really scared. All right, I'm going to breathe, come into my whole being, through my essence. And then I anchor and root connected to the earth and I ground down and I connect to what's greater too, Sister Jenna. And I will reach one arm down to the earth and one arm up to the sky. And I call it earth and sky. And then I move through my whole being, through my chakras again, through my heart. And opposite hand reaches up to the quantum, to God. And the opposite hand reaches down, not just to the ground, but into the center of the earth, where we have this tremendous support on this beautiful blue planet. And mm -hmm. so that helps me getting into our bodies somatically can help us calm our fear. Because fear wants us to do something, usually, even if it's patience, be patient. But I call patience a not doing that does. So even if we're patient and we pause, we can then manage our fear a little bit better. So that's the first thing. And then secondly, we realize that we have to be committed to facing our fear. And we make that commitment over and over again, just like we commit to becoming consciously brave. And we take little steps. <laughs> You know, it's not a great big leap. Bravery doesn't arrive with the wave of a magic wand. <laughs> it comes through, through practice and cultivating it in the calm moments and during the devastations. And mm. everything matters. I like that. I like that. <laughs> it, it reminds me of the karma yogi stage where whatever action I'm performing, can you bring God into it? And somehow it changes your expectation of what you think it should give back to you but you should be getting what you're experiencing from, I call God Baba, what you're experiencing from Baba is what he actually needs to give out to make the difference, to create the influence or the transformation that can occur in the lives of others, but it first starts inside of you. There's something that you talked about moving beyond the mindfulness. I feel like that's almost it, into whole being awareness. Elaborate on that. Like what is whole being awareness. I would say that's like me being soul conscious, totally an embodiment of my divinity and purity. And Baba's light is just working through me, you know? So all of those limitations and things that disturb my spirit, it can't disturb my spirit. I will influence it to move more in harmony. What's your interpretation? Yes, beautiful. And that's a wonderful belief. And so I believe that we incorporate it those kinds of beliefs and our intentions by embodying them. So we all have six zones of experience available to us in every moment, wherever we go. And those zones of experience are right here in us. We can tap into our emotions and our hearts. 
we can tap into what's happening in our bodies and tune in if we're feeling tight or duck or tummies are having butterflies. We can tune into our essence. Are we feeling a sense of solidity with that beautiful, soulful, what I call, I like the elegant word essence with that deepest self? Are we feeling some solidity there? And then we can tune into our intuition. What's happening here? What's our intuition alerting us to? And connected to that, what's happening in our thoughts? What are our thoughts doing? Are they racing? Are they giving us five different pieces of information all at once? So we just notice without judgment what's happening in all these zones of our experience. And lastly, what's happening in the energy around us? Because who we are doesn't end with our skin. <laughs> you know, the, the neuroscience is that the space around us is part of who we are as well. So we tune into heart, body, essence, intuition, mind, and energy. And that sounds like a lot, maybe to our listeners, but everyone here knows that whenever we have an authentic connection, we're fully engaged with our whole being. And just like you're saying, there's this beautiful, authentic connection that's coming into our being through the other person as well. Or through the situation. And who are we to say, this situation shouldn't be mine? That's not up to us to decide. So our whole being gives us this receptivity and this capacity to experience what is, what's happening, and then to have confidence moving forward. Well, that's beautiful. One of the things, have you noticed, when there is anxiety or discomfort or fear, or you just don't feel confident in what your next step's going to be in life. And I think my question is, how do we stop ruminating in our minds when we're fearful or anxious? And how do we protect that innate power of happiness that sometimes gets missed or buried down because we're scared or worried about something? Great question. I love this question because I get asked this all the time. How do I stop my ruminating mind? And really the easiest and first answer is that we go to it and we say, oh, there you are. There you are saying all these things. Oh, I'm anxious. I'm feeling anxious. Perhaps I want to rewind and say, I'm feeling anxious because we don't have to remain anxious. By noticing and allowing what's happening in our minds, we can then bring it down a notch. We're able to calm it because we're listening to it, just like we would listen to a child. If a child came up to us and said, I'm so, so worried. What should I do? I've lost my mom. I'm in the grocery store. I can't find my mom. We wouldn't say, well, get over it. You know, we would be kind and we would say, oh, you're anxious here. Take my hand and let's go over and let's get her name on the speaker, the intercom, and let's call her to this customer service desk. So we calm our anxiety and our fear by being present with it being kind to it, bringing compassion. And that's what we can do with our loved ones. If they have dementia or if they have any sort of substance use issue, or if they're feeling very depressed with a mental health challenge, we can bring compassion and kindness to that. And by us bringing an ability to allow our experience, we can then stand taller and be a role model for them. Don't you find and they need that as well. How can we help others if we can't bring strength and tenderness to our own experience and stand tall? In my teachings of Raj Yoga meditation with the Brahma Kumaris, there's a saying that 
if you haven't liberated yourself, you can't liberate anyone else. And it's so true. And we offer so many various courses and classes, especially in the Raj Yoga Meditation. And I always marvel at people's expressions when I'll tell them, I don't really like teaching because I feel like I still have so much work to do on myself. And people look at me, you're this. And I go, I don't know if I want to tell someone anything until I've gotten it for myself first, you know. And I know that it's in the sharing and the teaching that you're also growing as well. And I think there just needs to be an inner awareness in your sharing that you're not sharing as if you've made it and you've gotten there, but you're sharing like, let's give this a try and see if it works. Yeah, so beautiful because there's power in the I don't know. We Mm. can find our own empowerment when we're honest and transparent with ourselves and say, huh, I don't know what I'll do right now, but I figured things out in the past. I figured out sometime soon. And we allow that flow, yeah, as you're saying, to, to occur. I've been exploring a lot of dimensions in the last year. And as much as I've seen prophets, seers, mystics, gurus, spiritual leaders, when I get the feeling like, and I've seen even myself, I've gone through it, where it's as if I've observed a lot of people can fall under the influence of somebody who kind of shows you, you know, look, I know what I'm doing, so let me tell you and follow me. And then I've seen that they still haven't made any drastic changes. And so I keep wondering, you know, like, religions have come and still the world is in the condition that it's in. We've got scriptures and people are still in the condition that they're in. We have gurus and mystics and they're you know, telling you how to be and what to do. And people are still in a funny way inside of themselves. And I'm just finding myself asking questions regarding, there has to be that deep intimacy between the soul and God to really experience that transformation inside of you. And I think you reach a point where it's just all okay. Everything just gets to be okay. And there's something that you had mentioned in your book where you talked about the triad of connection in helping us to find more meaning. You want to elaborate on that? I would love to. Yes, I absolutely feel with you and our listeners, I'm sure, as well, ask questions. And I hope that we all keep asking questions because maybe that's part of our spiritual awakening is to continue to ask questions and perhaps find some answers. And maybe we don't find other answers. And we live with that pull that we have to live in the gray area and, you know, with that uncertainty. So what I do in in terms of the triad of connection and what I teach is that we can have this experience with our deepest selves, our essence, by just going inside. So our essence is there with us. We don't have to develop a relationship with it. (laughs) We already are our essence. That's who we truly are. We're not our roles as a mother or a teacher, as I was, we were talking about earlier. We're not even our skills and talents. We are this essence. So throughout life, from birth until death and beyond, when we know our true beingness, we know who we are. At any given moment, we can go inside and say, here I am. This is me. Breathe into our essence. So that's one of the three points of the triad of connection, is we stay connected to who we are. And whenever we forget who we are, we return. We rebalance by going right here into our essence. 
But then as you and I are having this amazing connection and our listeners are with us present as well, there is this authentic, magical, mystical connection with one another. And it's not just a feel good. It's an authentic thread that connects us to our beingness. We're all humans, but the other piece that we sometimes forget is that we are these beings, these sentient beings, vibrant with awake aliveness that is our consciousness. And then the third point, the trite of connection, is our connection to God, whatever anyone wants to call it, source, the Tao, the quantum nature, the universe. But when we connect with our creator, our source, then we are truly embodied in this human form yeah, because we're gifted with human beingness. So, but if we get to connect, we're missing out and we're relying on only two parts of the triangle, perhaps ourselves and one another. And we often want to turn to other people for answers. But when we have this triad of connection, Sister Jenna, the foundation can lay down. Our triangle can be flat and all three points of the triangle are activated at one time. And that's really when we feel the most awake and alive and the most confident, as you're saying, about that everything is. And we have that deeper sense of it's going to work out. It's going to be what it is. So as we come to a close, I know there are many givers out there who might be looking for just a little bit of extra support and guidance. So what would you suggest to a caregiver who might be dealing with a relative or a friend who's struggling with heavy substance abuse or a mental opportunity. Take care of yourself. You are a beautiful, treasured being. You cannot help someone else unless you help yourself. And so our self-care is a privilege and it's also a responsibility. So we go for that walk in nature. We turn to our homes and take a moment to meditate or breathe. We eat healthy food. We give ourselves like water. We do things like we tend to ourselves the way we want to tend to our loved one. And we do that first, put the oxygen mask on our own face first, even though that's so hard, even when it feels like the plane is going down, we care for ourselves because then we can better care for our loved one. Beautiful. Beautiful. Anything else you'd like to share with our wonderful audience and listeners? You've offered us so many jewels that we can take away with today. Oh, you're such a treasure yourself. I hope everyone listening knows that you can cultivate conscious bravery. It doesn't have to take years. You can begin today. You are so important and your situation may be very, very challenging, if not harrowing. And you have my whole heart. And I hope you will take time to cultivate and believe that you can develop conscious bravery. So perhaps go to my website. The book is for sale, Conscious Bravery on Amazon.com. My website has lots of blogs that might help you. So I hope you truly will see your own importance and your power and your beauty and take time every day for yourself to cultivate your bravery. Thank you so much. It's been a delight. (laughs) Thank you. It's just a joy to talk with you. Same here, all the best. All right, everyone. So we've gotten a lot of jewels that we could use to amplify self-care, but also to be able to just accept the role that we're given or the part that we're given. 
There has to be a reason why we go through what we go through with whomever we're going through it with. There are no accidents. And I think if we could just gauge our consciousness and our interpretation that this is a means of my spiritual, emotional, and physical growth, then maybe there'd be that curiosity and interest in seeing more with three eyes as to what it is that I'm here to remember, to learn, to cultivate. Thank you for joining us on America Meditating. It's a collaboration with The Next Normal. And remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them the permission. And I'm suspecting that we're all here to learn to love each other the same. I'm going to end the show today with a lovely meditation. Please enjoy, and I'll see you again soon. Keep moving no matter what. There's a flow. This thing called life. It moves us ever onward, upward, forward. Like rivers of water it keeps moving no matter what over and under and round it flows let the currents take you on the journey of life simply keep going with the flow keep moving no matter what
meditation, intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices. My new book that is out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and you can get it from Sacred Stories Publishing or on America Meditating Radio. The quieter you become, the more you're able to hear. One of my opening pages of this book I have heard time and time again that when you go into the stories and the narratives of the 37 authors that are sharing with you their mystical experiences of the divine, something in you changes. It has already reached number one three times in mysticism category and the new age category for new releases. I want you to get a copy for yourself and tell me what you feel as a result of closing that final page of this book. Meditation intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices. It's calling you. Can you hear it? Rice Alley Restaurant wishes you happy holidays. Located at 6838 Piedmont in Gainesville, Virginia. We're a family-owned restaurant and offer authentic Asian cuisine and sushi. Come Savor our delicacies made with love and enjoy the perfect ambiance. We look forward to seeing you there. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.